People often use the word drugs to refer to mind-altering chemicals that people ingest. These chemicals may be prescription medicines, such as the tranquilizer Valium. They may be legal commodities, such as alcohol and tobacco. Or they may be illegal substances, such as marijuana and heroin. A 1967 Presidential Commission's Task Force on Narcotics and Drug Abuse used the word drugs to refer broadly to mind-altering chemicals of any type, and it noted that most Americans use drugs in some way. In terms of drug use, the rarest or most abnormal form of behavior is not to take any mind-altering drugs at all. Most adult Americans are users of drugs. Many are frequent users of a wide variety of them. Yet most Americans also do not acknowledge that coffee, tobacco, and alcohol are drugs that we commonly take in small doses. To have some fun with this, ask your friends around the coffee pot if they care to take a stimulant and see how they react. Or describe the coffee pot as drug paraphernalia and get even weirder looks. In general, we can see here that the word drugs is often used in a more narrow political way that refers only to illegal chemicals. Apparently using this sense of the word, another government report in 1989 from the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy declared, The majority of American city residents, rich or poor, male or female, black, white or Hispanic, well or poorly educated, do not take drugs. The word drugs in this report could not possibly refer to such things as alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, prescription drugs, and over-the-counter medicines. Legal scholar Franklin Zimring submits that this narrower use of the word drugs often has what he calls a value component. Even though this value component is pejorative and derogatory, it seems clear that it is in this sense that the word drug is most often used in the national drug control strategy, such as when referring to the threat drugs pose, the challenge of drugs, the evils of drugs, and the best way to fight drugs and drug use. If you ask casual acquaintances a simple question, do you take drugs? They probably will be shocked by your impertinence or rudeness in asking them about illegal behavior. But Zimring and Dr. Weil, as well as others, believe that it may be misleading to use the word drugs only in reference to illegal mind-altering substances. They believe this sense of the word overlooks the potential harm from legal drugs, such as alcohol and tobacco. It also ignores the possibility that illegal substances, such as moonshine or marijuana, can in fact be used with varying degrees of responsibility. Dr. Wilde therefore defines drug abuse not according to what drug is used, but according to how the drug is used. The use of any drug becomes abusive when it threatens a person's health or impairs social or economic functioning. Cigarette smokers with respiratory disease who continue to smoke are clearly abusing tobacco. Students who cannot concentrate on classroom activities because they are stoned are abusing marijuana. On the other hand, any drug can be used in a non-abusive fashion, even if it is illegal or disapproved. 
There are many people who consume tobacco, marijuana, alcohol, and heroin without abusing them. That is, they remain healthy and fulfill their social and economic obligations. Drug abuse is not simply a matter of what drug a person chooses to consume. Rather, it depends on the relationship an individual forms with that drug. Discussions about the appropriate use of drugs are usually complicated by a variety of cultural, religious, and moral beliefs and ideals. Sometimes these discussions create social conflict. People obviously think differently about what pleasures should be experienced and who should experience them. Some people think adults should be allowed to experience as much pleasure as they want, so long as they do not directly harm others. Others think that pleasure should be a reward only for hard work. There's conflict over whether adolescents should be able to smoke tobacco, and even greater conflict over whether they should be able to smoke marijuana, which is prohibited to adults as well. Much depends on how we interpret adolescent habits. Are those habits better understood as premature imitations of adult behavior or as a rebellious rejection of social and moral norms? Author Franklin Zimring comments. We might regard a young person smoking or using alcohol before the age of majority as trying to assume adult privileges prematurely. But it would be difficult to interpret such behavior as an act of rebellion against the established social order. The recreational use of tobacco and alcohol is usually an imitation or rehearsal of adult roles in society rather than a rejection of social behavioral norms. And acts that children perform in this imitative manner are frequently viewed as such by their elders. Johnny is seen as merely demonstrating that he is a chip off the old block when drinking with high school friends. The fact that he is doing so before entitlement may merely reinforce the view that his behavior is just like his father's. By contrast, when young people use drugs that are prohibited to their elders, such behavior can more easily be seen by them and their parents as acts of rebelliousness and rejection. Some adolescents explore the forbidden to satisfy their curiosity or to conform to peer pressure. But parents and other authorities often interpret their behavior simply as rebellion, and that interpretation escalates the chance of conflict. People clearly tend to evaluate drug use not only by its physical and mental effects, but also by the variety of symbolic meanings that can be attached to it. Some people, for example, see marijuana use as political rebellion. Others see it as self-indulgent decadence. To still others, smoking a joint represents sociableness and conviviality. A similar variety of interpretations can apply to something as common and as legal as wine. Roman Catholics regard wine as an ingredient in a religious sacrament, but many Protestant Christians and Orthodox Muslims view wine as an unacceptable temptation. Often, a controversial, mind-altering substance, after it has become popular, will become accepted and even regarded as harmless. Consider coffee, which contains the powerful stimulant caffeine. When Muslims of Arabia first used coffee more than a thousand years ago, it is said that they used it primarily to help them stay awake during long religious rituals. 
strictly orthodox priests condemned coffee as an intoxicant, which is forbidden by Muslim scripture, known as the Quran. An early Arabian writer summed up the original Muslim opposition to coffee in about the ninth century. The sale of coffee has been forbidden. The vessels used for this beverage have been broken to pieces. The dealers in coffee have undergone ill-treatment without even a plausible excuse. They were punished by loss of their money. Despite such sanctions, coffee continued to become more popular among Arabs. It has even become associated with Arabia, just as tea is associated with China. The European history of coffee follows a similar pattern. When it first came to Europe in the 17th century, Many authorities condemned coffee as a new and unapproved drug. But here, too, coffee became enormously popular, and coffee houses sprang up all over Europe. In 1732, J.S. Bach even wrote a composition praising coffee, known as the Coffee Cantata. The history of tobacco appears to reflect an even wider variety of beliefs and attitudes. Throughout history, tobacco has been regarded variously as a pleasantly recreational, mind-altering substance, a medicine, a focus of religious rituals, a plant so evil as to warrant the death penalty for its consumers, a sign of sophistication, an agricultural product deserving governmental subsidies, and a harmful drug whose use is officially condemned by the same governments that subsidize its production. Tobacco originally was grown and used in what Europeans called the New World. American Indians used tobacco in religious and other rituals. Columbus and other explorers tried it, and they became habituated to it. These explorers were...